Hello and welcome to the Functional Health Podcast with Ben Atkinson. I am delighted to be joined by Dr. Chris George, who is a GP and director of the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine, and Barry Smith, who is the founder of Simprove. We dive into the world of probiotics, the story of Simprove, the efficacy of probiotics, and the emerging trials investigating whether probiotics can improve chronic disease and even neurodegenerative conditions. We also explore health optimization, or in Barry's words, how to make well people weller. And yes, I did say weller. Let's get into it. Chris, Barry, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Nice to speak to you. Thanks for having us, Ben. It's a pleasure to have you both on. And Barry, for the very first time, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, very well, thanks very much. Um, had a little uh, tech problems as we normally do with these things, but apart from that, I'm re- reasonably relaxed. <laughs> quite, quite hot though, isn't it? Yes, it's very hot. <laughs> um, I'm not dealing with the te- with the heat very well. Chris, how about you? How's how's your dog as well? How's how's she dealing with the heat? Yeah, so Brown was actually the one out in the sunshine. She's a black Labrador, and she's enjoying the sunshine more than I am. But uh, we're both both uh, relaxing, um, enjoying the warm weather been a quite nice change normally here in the UK we have pretty bad weather over summer don't we yes and I have been doing the the terrible thing of complaining about the heat but anything below about 10 degrees I complain and anything above 25 I melt so uh, I struggle <laughs> to stay happy I think in the British weather in general <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's great to have you both on to talk about probiotics um, and Barry you actually founded the company Simprove and your story is uh, is quite profound I am um, friends with the the Mac twins uh, founders of the gut stuff I know I know they interviewed you and came to the farm quite a while ago now and from yeah. setting out with the aim to improve shelf life of animal feed to then seemingly improving the health of humans it sounds like one heck of a journey yes certainly is my um CEO Mike tells us, uh, always explains that it's serendipity and curiosity. I always layer onto that um, hard work and quite a lot of good luck and meeting the right people. So um, it's been an exciting journey. We've developed uh, an idea to have clean feed for uh, animal livestock initially. Um, The time I started, it was uh, commonplace for there to be um, low quality content within pellets that, uh, that you fed your livestock and that could include uh, sawdust chicken feces rendered waste from abattoirs and of course as we all now know that managed to jump uh, disease for the first time mm-hmm. species to species uh, scrapies becoming bse and then there was the panic that was going to become cjd in, our, in ourselves so um i was initially looking for a clean food we then um used bacteria to preserve that clean food, which was a combination of germinated uh, cereals and pulses. And that gave us a really high quality and accessible food. But once we laid the bacteria on, um, we began to get what we now uh, are confident is a a major health benefit in people. But of course, that was a 35 year journey. So I say it's 35 years to be an overnight success. (laughs) Yes. Uh, from the outside, it maybe looks like an overnight success, but I'm sure it was a lot of stress and a lot of work behind the scenes. When you said um, CJD, that is something Jacob disease, isn't it? That's right, yes. Um, but the yeah. people know is mad cow disease. Yes, that's right. So um, there's a famous picture which I keep throwing, showing up, which is of the cow unable to keep its legs. But the fascinating thing was because... Um, the rendered waste uh, from the abattoir of the spine of sheep was put into pellets for animal, for them to eat. They managed to transfer a disease from one species to the next. And that's why there were so many thousands of cattle slaughtered and to try and get a lid on that. And of course, then the rules changed and uh, the quality of food started to go up. But by then I'd already developed uh, a very, very high quality clean food from germinated cereals. And, uh, and that worked incredibly well but we were using the bacteria to preserve that germinated grain. And we began to be able to measure the impact on animals' health and the, the ability to have a reduced dependency on antibiotics because mm. the pellets at that time, of course, were laced with antibiotics and we were walking away from that, that uh, defense mechanism as well. 
and, and, and it's not a defence mechanism anyway, it's a destructive mechanism. And we're looking for a system that um, stimulates the animal's microbiome to function at a higher level and therefore defend itself. Perfect. I mean, antibiotics arguably do the opposite. Yes, they might stop uh, certain bacterial infections and things of that nature, but in relation to the microbiome, they destroy the microbiome. And what you're doing is building it up in order to make the the body more resilient. So when you were feeding these pigs the the feed with these probiotics on it, what kind of benefits did you see and how did you measure that? Well, the first thing that we were interested in, in, in measuring was um, young stock mortality. And so, for example, in genetically refined animals like pigs in the UK, um, the mortality rate is, is uh, normally manageable, but it's, it's a bit wrong if it goes towards 12 or 14%. But if you uh, introduce Simprove in those circumstances, you could halve the mortality. If you took it to an animal that was not genetically refined to be grown intensively, like, for example, ostriches, mm -hmm. And I found this out after, um, in fact, the farmers had utilised our technology. Essentially, um, everything that was hatched uh, from the hatcheries was had a, a mortality rate of 70 to 80 percent, and we took it down to 2 percent. Wow. And, and although all of that information was gathered, you know, lightheartedly on fag packets, me collecting data and numbers and counting and measuring, because there's a scientist in every one of us, if we can just observe and, and collate and it was amazingly that one piece of information that uh, tripped um, Professor Ingvar Bjarnason to be interested in pursuing <coughs> the idea for people because he said either I was the biggest liar under the sun mm -hmm. or he had to investigate this. Amazing. I mean, that's absolutely stunning. And it shows that your initiative just to measure it and monitor these animals um, made a case for someone to study it in humans. I'm guessing, did, was there a jump to straight studying it in humans or was it tested in animals again first? We had enough data uh, for um, the medical team at King's to be content to go straight to phase two because I'd been using it for near on 20 years by then mm -hmm. in every type of species. We did have some information that was from um, agricultural colleges and universities where they tested uh, certain aspects of our, our ideas on livestock. So it wasn't all from myself collecting the data. Um, and uh, by then we already had some people who were using it. So smart farmers who uh, realized what the technology was about would use it to, to sort out various gut problems within their families. And, and it was that that was encouraging me to to move and I suppose the biggest impact was when we almost um, closed the company down because of the poor state of um, British agriculture and there was no I mean it was in a bad way at that time in the 80s and uh, sorry in the um, in the early 20s and uh, a vet said Barry you can't stop you've got to take it to people it'll work for people and that particular vet had already used the technology to um, instead of um, an antibiotic in uh, a disease called watery mouth disease, for example, which is uh, where lambs' uh, saliva, saliva glands get out of control and lamb drowns in their own saliva. Oh and Jeez. he was able to, to control that on farm and he could see the propensities of what this could do for people. And it was him that said, look, Barry, you've got to keep going. So we, we just closed down for 10 years and pushed to get our first study through. That's phenomenal. And you closed down the farm for 10 years to get the study through. So. No, no, we I turned down the, the multi-germ operation, which was the precursor of Simproof. In other words, the, the idea of animal feed. Mm -hmm. we, what we did is we reversed the technology. Instead of using the bacteria to preserve the grain, we squeezed the life out of barley, which gave us, gave us a very, very rich nutritional soup that allowed us to maximize the bacterial count and deliver in a liquid form on an extract of germinated barley, which of course is a prebiotic, and then laced with our bacteria. Uh, and our bacteria has the expertise of producing lactic acid for your microbiome. Absolutely fascinating. And I want to dive into this a little bit more later in the show, but there seems to be a disconnect to what is a probiotic and what is just edible bacteria? Because the market has so many different, um, I don't know what to call them, bacteria in a capsule, let's say. And they even measure, measure them by CFUs or colony forming units. But I'm not sure that's always the case because they can't market something as a probiotic. Do you see this being the case? And Chris, maybe you want to 
to comment first and then Barry? Yeah, so that's a really good point. What I love about the story that Barry gave is the fact that he had this product that knew that he knew that worked. And it was actually kind of flipping it on its head and reversing it and saying, actually, how can we now prove that this product actually works and generate the data, which is really fascinating to hear. Um, and as you said, Ben, there is a difference. We know that between edible bacteria and probiotics, the probiotics are different in that they contain live organisms and they're usually specific strains of bacteria and they're actually directly added to the population of healthy microbes in the gut. So that's where you have that difference between edible um, bacteria and probiotics, which is important for a lot of people to kind of appreciate. I think a lot of people might hear bacteria and think it's bad, but actually um, it's, we have to appreciate the fact that there are good and there are bad bacteria and it's about harnessing those good bacteria, making sure that they colonize the gut and that they support the microbiome, making it more diverse, rich, um, and that's thought to be a more healthier state for our microbiome to be in. Chris, that makes perfect sense. Um, I think it's really important to know that, you know, the probiotics don't always, um, or bacteria don't always have a beneficial effect on the gut microbiome, and probiotics are specific strains that have a health benefit. Um, I think. Yeah, I think I think I think it's important to add to what Chris said is that um, the stomach is an amazing organ and it has the uh, capacity to kill ninety nine point nine percent of all bacteria that go through it. And um, the trick that Simprove has is that um, a we've already trained our bacteria to live in an acidic environment. And they can pass through the stomach. And the really important thing is that we can measure them at 100% at the colon. So it doesn't really matter how big a number you're selling. Mm. It's, what the, it's what the number can do that counts. And that's where, where we really get measurables to show that the lactic acid that we're producing in the colon actually stimulates your own microbiome to function at a different level. Yes, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, and is it that they are, because probiotics can have different benefits in the sense that they can have a transient effect, almost that they change um, what's produced in the, in the gut without changing the population of species yeah. in, in the gut, or they can actually populate the gut. What, what's happening with Simprove? Well, that's, that, that is a fascinating area. And of course, it's early days as we learn. And we've got a huge amount of work running with a company called ProDigest to be able to track all this stuff. But to give you one, for example, um, I was often told all oh, you need to put a bifidobacteria in the product because it's got some data and it's a good product, a good bacteria to have. And on all the tests that we've shown, without exception, whether it's on somebody who's very ill indeed with a, 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 a this is all on fecal samples from uh, Parkinson's or someone who is completely well and no symptoms, without exception, the bifidobacteria goes up. Now, the important thing there is, A, we're not delivering a bifido, and B, we're making the, the bifidobacteria that belongs there function properly. So it will not be transient because that's its home. If you introduce a bifido that doesn't belong there, it's likely to be transient. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. So you're almost empowering, empowering, uh, I guess I'm going to use the word empowering, empowering the bacteria that's already there to kind of, I guess, function as it should hopefully, and maybe colonize more is that what's happening is that what you're seeing yeah so the the measurements are very clear and it's across the board on a whole range of uh, patient groups parkinson's down syndrome uh ulcerative colitis ibs uh liver cirrhosis um uh c diff e coli and always in triplicate and always with controls and without exception all of the good commensal bacteria significantly rise and all of the pathogenic bacteria significantly reduce. The interesting thing is that once you stimulate the good commensals with the lactic acid that they require to feed on, they then start producing more food for themselves, which is normally acetate and propionate, which mm -hmm. is needed to further feed the bacterial flora and then they start to produce butyrate, which of course they don't require, but their host does. And butyrate is known to be wound healing and anti-carthogenic. So not a bad thing for your microbiome to be producing. It would have been producing it for much lower level prior to taking Simprove. And you can see the significant increases in all of these feeds post-treatment. 
Amazing. And yes, you're completely right about butyrate. It has a number of health benefits. And one of them is that it's the, the main substrate for the epithelial cells that make up the gut lining. Yeah. So if there's any damage, it seems to help heal that almost. Um, and it seems to be beneficial. Well, probiotics have been touted for all kinds of health benefits, as we know. It seems to benefit the whole system. Um, Chris, I wonder if you could come in here. Do you have any opinion of why probiotics are so beneficial? What are they acting on? Yeah, so probiotics have a huge, uh, wide range of benefits for our body. They help help in terms of um, digestion of food, as various mentioned, making sure that you keep um, the bad bacteria numbers down, and also encouraging or empowering, as you said, Ben, the good bacteria to grow um, and support a more healthy and diverse microbiota. They also are important for helping to create certain vitamins and have a really key function in our immunity as well. And as you say, they, they actually enhance that barrier um, within our gut to make sure that sort of larger molecules don't and pathogens don't cross um, through the gut and into our bloodstream. That makes perfect sense. With, with the kind of um, the healing, what can people, if they don't know that they have certain damage to the gut, what can people experience if these kinds of pathogens? One of them I remember is called lipopolysaccharide, which is like a shedding of bacteria. Um, what can they experience if these get into the bloodstream? So in terms of some symptoms that people have, especially when you come to look at gut health, um, symptoms that I see often as a GP clinic, patients come to me and they sort of mention that they have abdominal pain, cramping, bloating, maybe diarrhea or constipation. These are quite typical symptoms that people have when they experience sort of poor gut health. Um, and that's why things like my, um, that's why probiotics and food supplements can actually help to support the gut microbiota, improve that diversity, and actually help to relieve some of the symptoms that people have. Because throughout the last few years, as a GP, what I've seen more and more is people kind of managing their own symptoms, but actually um, rather poorly. So. It kind of quite heartbreaking to hear people's stories about how they've not managed to look after themselves um, and they've been basically suffering in silence and there's so much that we can do to help people with poor gut health um, and one of the one of those aspects as we're talking about today are things like probiotics um, and they have been shown to actually support and reduce some gut health symptoms that people have quick pause, we're thrilled to say that our sponsor for this podcast today is Human People. Human People is a personalized health platform set up by functionally trained doctors and nutritionists right here in the UK, and they're on a mission to give you a healthier, longer, and more productive life. When we start to feel a bit tired, get aches, pains, or brain fog, it can be a challenge to work out the root cause of that problem and how we can solve it. Well, human people are offering a solution. They empower you to better understand your health issues and use AI technology to provide clear, actionable steps to help you meet your goals. Choose between blood, DNA, and gut tests to look for common nutritional deficiencies and important gene SNPs and get your personalized recommendations reviewed by a doctor and all for less than a price of your daily coffee. The quality of their supplements is excellent and their recyclable packs means no more plastic bottles filling up your cupboard. Better for you, better for the planet. Head over to humanpeople.co slash functional health and use code functional health or one word at checkout to get 10% off any of their tests. And if you purchase any of their bundles, you'll get six months of a high quality omega-3 supplement absolutely free. Feel better, live healthier, and start your journey today at humanpeople.co slash functional health. Back to the show. It seems like probiotics are acting on the bacteria within the gut to stop things like IBS and diarrhea. And Bar Barry's already outlined some of the bacteria and why they seem to be um, uh, crowded out, if you will, by probiotics like Simprove. Are there any other benefits that people can see other than the other than the health benefits related to, I guess, gastrointestinal health like IBS and bloating and things of that nature? Yeah, so um, some of the things that people that we're starting to look at now and research is point towards is the role of um, probiotics and food supplements in the treatment and management of things like mental health. So that's quite a new emerging area. Um, Barry's also touched upon the role of probiotics food supplements in the treatment of Parkinson's disease and there is that link there that is really exciting 
Um, and we're looking at whether sort of treatment in terms of the microbiome, the microbiota, whether that can actually influence uh, certain conditions, um, whether that's neurological um, or mental health, and also even our skin. So things like eczema as well. Um, really exciting studies looking at that as well at the moment. So it's, it's still very early days and a lot of research is needed, but it is pointing towards whether we can manage some symptoms of conditions or even influence the actual condition itself by using the gut um, as a target. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the, my personal experience of, um, of skin issues, I used to have acne when I was very young. And what I notice is if I experience kind of bloating or, or kind of F IBS-like symptoms, which happen very, very occasionally, I do get inflammation in my skin, whether it's spots or it's like rash or maybe some reddening and blotching and things of that nature, which is quite fascinating because everyone says that this, whatever is happening on in the gut kind of tends to show on the skin first. And that seems to be the case with eczema. I don't know whether that's been your experience or if you have any theories around that, Chris. Yeah, so I think people do experience different symptoms based on their gut. And as you say, some people do have gut symptoms and also skin issues. Whether they're completely related or not, I think that's actually the source of a lot of the research going on at the moment is what is that link between the gut and the skin? How can we influence it? So yeah, it is really exciting and interesting stuff that's coming out at the moment. Yeah, completely agree. Such a fascinating area. And Barry, you just spoke, um, touched on Parkinson's. That's fascinating. Is it improve? Are you working on that project directly? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've been working on the project for five years. Um, I've been aware of the potential for ten. Um, essentially, uh, this is my with my layman's hat on and my understanding is that between sort of uh, 50 and 60% of uh, Parkinson's patients suffer from uh, constipation as symptom number one, sometimes for a couple of decades before it's diagnosed because they go to a gastroenterologist and the uh, neurological symptoms don't uh, arise until further down the track. When the connect is made and they're diagnosed as Parkinson's, um, there's already been quite a lot of damage done. So our um, rash, uh, and the reason that we were invited to do the study was that a lot of Parkinson's patients had found their own way to our product and were telling their clinicians. And then the clinicians invited us to back engineer the work. So we did um, lab work uh, initially to show how the technology would work on um, Parkinson's patients' uh, microbiome. Uh, we have a, a rodent study that's completed and waiting publication. We have two um, uh, studies running in vivo so there's going to be a 30 patient pilot study in Sheffield and a 90 patient uh, study uh, coming out of the Morris Worrell Centre which is in, at King's which is the largest walking clinic in Europe mm -hmm. uh, and so all of that uh, you know sort of in, that was all in one sentence but that's five <laughs> years of, of, of work um, and the outcomes are due uh, over the coming months and hopefully the, the largest of them the King's one will Will probably be just into next year before publication um, and what the bench work is showing so we do a lot of work uh, that we then obviously have to show works uh, in reality um, is the same thing that you um, increase the good guys you uh, deplete the bad guys and it was this point on, that you'd picked up on um, on uh, epithelial wall breakdown so essentially again talking from a lay perspective if you have constipation you distend the gut you will generate lesions and bleeds those lesions and bleeds allow neurochemical aggregates to pass through the vagus nerve and to accelerate the parkinson's so the work that we did and we did a little bit with um, a chap called vish patel as well who educated me on cathode 2 cells which is how you can measure the repair rate of cells and the technology has shown that we can do reparation at twice the speed that, that it will repair if you don't apply the product. Amazing. So if you... Just to break that down, Barry, because you mentioned the vagus nerve there, and just for everyone, that's the nerve that um, is part of the enteric nervous system. It links the gut to the brain. And you mentioned yeah. cathode 2 cells, and they basically, um, you can monitor them and see how they um, are repairing. But what do you mean by which cells are they repairing and where are they? Okay, so that, that, that they, we're mimic, mimicking epithelial wall cells, and obviously there's no blood supply or nervous supply, so it's still considered to be in vitro work, but it's a good indicator. You can 
scratch uh, wound those cells and you can look at the reparation rate with and without Simproof on a fecal, on a, 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 sieve, a fecal sample. And what that shows is that the, um, the fecal sample with Simproof had a, a twice the reparation rate in 24 hours than without. And I believe, although it'll be time will tell, that's to do with the butyrate production. Mm. Because if butyrate is wound healing, which there's quite a lot of evidence to say that it is, then that's a key thing to do. So if you can do two things in the, in the case of the Parkinson's patients, and I call myself a dot joiner, it's just trying to join all these dots. <laughs> so, so if you have got constipation, you've distended the gut and you, you cause lesions and bleeds, the first thing to do is unblock the, unblock the plumbing. And we can do that easily and done so for years with um, IBS patients. So the second thing is you've now got the, the gut flowing properly and you're starting to do reparation internally because the microbiome is working, is functioning properly. And if you had therefore have butyrate being produced, there is a greater chance in my view to be able to do reparation on that wound. If you can close the wound, you slow down the, uh, or you improve the integrity of the gut wall and therefore slow down the neurochemical aggregates, which then potentially slow down the onset of, of, of Parkinson's. So the really exciting thing here is that, well, firstly, you're not curing Parkinson's, let's be absolutely clear. You're managing the situation, but as it's always in the, well, there are outliers, but as it's generally the, the last 10 years of life, if you can slow that down so that it becomes the last five years of life, then you'll halve the amount of people in the, in the country, in the world with Parkinson's. That is a, a real goal that we're aiming for. That is absolutely phenomenal. And then a, you've outlined a lot of theory there, but potential plausible mechanisms for this actually working, which I think is fantastic. Um, and it just shows, I mean, the, back, the microbiome has been linked to many neurodegenerative conditions, including not only Parkinson's, but Alzheimer's and also MS yeah. even, which is absolutely fascinating. And it feels like we're only scratching the surface really of what this can do for, for systemic health and well-being, whole body health and well-being, I should say. Well, the clinicians who've done this work, particularly the pilot study, are already looking at least half a dozen areas where they would expect to see a similar outcome amongst those, the ones you've listed. Yeah. Um, so are they using Simprove as well? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're looking they're looking for pilots in motor neuron disease, in MS, in epilepsy. Uh, we've been offered studies left, right and centre to try and replicate it within those particular patient groups. I mean, this is, uh, this is very cool, isn't it? I'm quite excited already. <laughs> <laughs> it is um, exciting. It's not really believable sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's just very humble beginnings and you can see what you, are, you have achieved and are achieving. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty phenomenal. Ben, just, um, just to touch upon Barry's point there, um, even just yesterday in my clinic, I had a patient who came to see me with Parkinson's disease and her main concern was actually her bowels, her constipation, and not being able to kind of, um, having some discomfort, she wasn't able to go outside and do the usual stuff, like go shopping, um, go to the cafe with her daughter. So it does have a huge impact, just the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So if we are able to manage those symptoms with probiotics or food supplements, then it is actually, it does actually have a huge impact on people's lives day to day. So it's really important. Mm. I mean, it this is probably um, a question partly like you're bound by the limitations of the NHS, Chris. So I'm very hyper aware of this, but I'm going to ask you it anyway. Do you advocate probiotics in a clinical setting or would you? And what um, ways can you kind of promote gut health when you're in a GP clinic? Yes, that's a really good question. I'm, I only work in the NHS, so my population is very different. I work in quite a deprived area. So Gut health is one of those topics that I do like to speak about with patients because we have a lot of IBS, a lot of mental health, and they're also quite linked. Um, so talking about gut health with patients, probiotics um, are, on, are an option for some people. It just really does depend on budget and what people have available. But there's lots of other ways to kind of support a good gut, gut microbiome. Make sure you're eating the right things, um, high-fibre diet, lots of different plants, vegetables. I was talking to patients about ensuring that they have at least 30 different types of vegetable in their diet per week. Mm -hmm. So choosing different stuff, maybe shopping around 
picking up fruits or vegetables in the supermarket that they don't usually have and incorporating that into the diet. Also avoiding things that sometimes may have a negative impact on my gut microbiome. This includes things like alcohol, um, possibly even sweeteners. Artificial sweeteners may have a negative impact on the gut microbiome and the diversity. So avoiding those kind of things. Um, and also relaxation techniques, regular exercise as well. Um, there's one of my colleagues as well doing a lot of research in terms of exercise and the impact it has on the microbiome. And that's showing that actually just small amount of exercise every day can also increase the number of good bacteria within the gut as well. So mm. making sure that we're doing lots of different lifestyle stuff, the probiotics um, and eating foods that are rich in um, live bacteria, so the natural yogurts, the kefir, um, sauerkraut, those kind of foods also help to increase the population of good gut bacteria. So I try and address it from different angles um, and meet people where they're at because I completely understand that sometimes probiotics and some of the products out there aren't accessible, aren't affordable for people. But we do talk about different plans and I know it's simply providing uh, discounts as well for people to help them as well. So there's lots of different um, options for people to improve their gut health. Um, so it shouldn't just be put off by cost necessarily because there's lots of things that people can do. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. And the thing is, these things can, can work not only by themselves, but synergistically as well, right? You've just outlined high fiber diets, the 30 different variations of plant foods that you can use, as well as, um, as, well as probiotics. And those things can complement each other quite beautifully, if you will. Even if you use one alone, they can have a benefit, but in, in syn they almost work synergistically. So you've mentioned aspects of lifestyle medicine, which I absolutely love. We all know stress affects the gut, so managing that's um, really important. And then exercise can benefit the microbiome as well as nutrition. And then sleep has, seems to just be the underpinning thing for everything. If you sleep badly, it affects how you digest your food and how you crave certain foods, some of those negative foods that you're talking about, those sugars, the alcohol, things of that nature. Um, but I always think it's a balance, right? You know, someone uh, someone mentioned to me the other day that it was bad that I was having a Diet Coke. I have my vices, right? And I have, a, <laughs> I have the occasional Diet Coke. But I feel like the rest of my lifestyle is very conducive to health and hopefully the health of my microbiome. So I feel there is a balance there as well to be struck. Um, you know, you, you have to live your life as well as trying to um, live a healthy lifestyle completely agree with that and it's about doing the little things every day to help support your gut microbiome and your overall health and they all add up so just doing one little thing every day and if you have a diet coke every now and again it's not you need to live and you need to enjoy your life so definitely have that diet coke um, it's gonna add a lot to your life yes yes in different ways same with red wine i feel the same with that too <laughs> go on barry I was just I was just going to pick up on the point that you made about um, sleep because uh, it's interesting that on the IBS study there was uh, 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 there's a whole range of questions but uh, sleep improvement was one of the big outcomes and the uh, the scientists were interested in doing something on insomnia and uh, I think this is where sort of more common sense thinking sometimes come in because I sort of gently pointed out the biggest uh, impact we'd had was on pain. And if you haven't got pain, you will sleep. Now, I know that just from having a bad shoulder. You can't sleep properly if you're in pain. And what was happening was if you can take the pain away, people slept better. Mm. It was, it's all a knock-on effect. Uh, and I agree that there's so many other things you should be addressing. We were, had it drummed into us from Professor and that uh, you've got a good probiotic that has outcomes, but you've got to look at diet, you've got to look at fitness, you've got to look at psychological support. All four pillars address all of them you'll get massive results. Absolutely. And what professor was that, Barry? I think you just cut off for a second there. Uh, professor Ingvar Bjarnason is probably the country's leading gastro gastroenterologist, actually. Amazing. I'll link to, to him in the show notes for listeners. And it was so interesting you said that the IBS study link, uh, 
led to better sleep because I'm aware of like over fermentation, like hyper fermentation within the gut. And that leads to pain. I mean, everyone's heard of people who suffer from IBS and they maybe go on low FODMAPs because they cannot tolerate these fibers that maybe someone with a healthy microbiome might be able to. So it's interesting to understand that, well, this is a mechanism, but it seems plausible to me from what we were speaking about that that shift in the gut microbiome integrity and the, and the population of species within the microbiome can lead to less fermentation where it shouldn't be happening and therefore better sleep because they're not in pain. Um, it could be happening in another mechanism as well, but that is one which I would assume would be, would be how it's effective. Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 my own view is, I mean, there's lots of people looking to test our technology in a whole host of different patient groups. But to put it simply, we do exactly the same thing for everybody, however ill or well you are. And if you do that and get your own microbiome to function at a better level, there will be improvements. That makes perfect sense and leads us very nicely onto a question I had in my back pocket for you, which Barry, you might have a level of bias for. So <laughs> I'll, ask, <laughs> I'll ask Chris to go first maybe. And the, the question is, can, um, can probiotics benefit everyone? Oh, really good question. And as you say, it kind of divides people. So that you have one camp that say actually probiotics are beneficial and it doesn't matter regardless of what you eat, probiotics still have a role in terms of supporting a good microbiome. Whereas some people will argue on the flip side that actually if you're having a diverse diet, then additional supplementation is not required. So I think the jury's very much out there, Ben. And I know that's a very on the fence answer. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's absolutely fine. No problem at all. Very much a doctor's hat on there, Chris. I completely understand. Uh, what's your view, Barry? Well, um, the way I tell this story is that um, I thought it would be absolutely impossible to prove that you can make a well person weller. And weller is my own word. It's not in the dictionary. <laughs> um, and... Um, so what we did is we looked for people who were very unwell because there are measurables there. And what was fascinating was when we did eventually get around to throwing samples at um, ProDigest to review people that were, were asymptomatic, no problems, no disease whatsoever, um, and reporting themselves well, that within that group, we did exactly the same to the microbiome as we did in every other group. And from that day onwards, there were two professors at School of Pharmacy who were involved in that, one from Belgium, a whole stack of uh, uh, scientists, all took Simpru from that day because it showed quite clearly that what you could do is enhance yourself to the point that you are likely to be able to maintain a higher level of health. But I would also add that 90% of who we serve are very unwell indeed. Mm-hmm. So is it the fact that maybe, I mean, you say a well person, well, this is really interesting. What markers are you looking at necessarily to, to, to assume that? I mean, or have you found? Well, um, the, the, uh, there was a, a long questionnaire, basically a, a tick box um, that said that they were not suffering from any um, diagnosed illness and that they felt and that they were well when they supplied other people samples. And with a well fecal sample, exactly the same thing happened as it did to all of those that we'd already tested many times before who were unwell with various other diseases. Mm. It's just the same picture. Right. Okay. So you get improvements in healing and things of that nature, which maybe you wouldn't have otherwise. No, I'm talking, uh, we didn't do that on healing, but what we did do was um, a measure of um, the the commensal bacteria increasing measure of uh, pathogenic and opportunistic bacteria decreasing short chain fatty acid uh, production up significantly and on a on a well on somebody who has no disease problems it does the same there as well yeah i mean this almost comes to i mean i love the word weller so i'm not taking that away from you barry but building resilience is, is the thing is something that i've yes, spoken about absolutely in the, right in the past yes. right so making you resilient to these kinds of illnesses that people are prone to and when you were talking about parkinson's this kind of really resonates with me the idea that you can prevent things from happening by building resilience in the human body 
And I think through what Chris touched upon as well with lifestyle medicine and, and you know, focusing on sleep, stress, what we eat, et cetera, that is all part of that, as well as focusing on probiotics for the gut as well. I think it's all part of the same picture. Yeah, and there's a whole host of inflammatory diseases that are accelerating no, no tomorrow. Um, and one of the other key factors that's come out of every single data dump that we've had is that we reduce the inflammatory, we improve the inflammatory markers. So that's really important as well. Just so much comes from your microbiome functioning properly. It's, 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 we're, we're scratching the surface even now. Brilliant. And something um, I want to ask you both, but maybe we'll start with Chris, is that you both said before before we went online um, that you took a shot of Simprove before we started. Um, I was interested in understanding what your benefits have been, if you've experienced any. Yeah, so for my sort of the benefits that I'm having is that I find I'm more regular in terms of going to the toilet. Um, and also the fact that I think it actually helps me kind of during the day as well. Mm. Helps with sleep, so it helps with regulation for me. Um, I just feel actually less bloated on a day-to-day basis. So but those were kind of the main benefits for me that I've kind of enjoyed. Um, as Barry says, you know, I, I don't really suffer from any medical problems, but it does it does help build that resilience. And I love the word weller. So I think that's <laughs> one of the benefits for me. <laughs> I love that too. Um, yeah, yeah the, the bloating side, and the, these are such common problems, you know, um, that people suffer from kind of constipation for one, but also just not going to the toilet that frequently. I mean, it's so ubiquitous, but bloating is something that I think everyone experiences every once in a while. So having less of that, I completely, uh, I completely think that's an excellent yeah, I mean, benefit. It's, it's- especially now when it's summer and everyone's kind of on the beach and you want to look your best. So. <laughs> you look amazing, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and for everyone's benefit, Chris is just back from Bali. So his pictures will be on his Instagram. No. <laughs> and Barry, what's your experience been? Well, mine aren't uh, um, as direct. Uh, if I'm absolutely honest, I've always had uh, the bacterial formulation or the developing formulation around me. Um, I would regularly test product, um, would uh, do sampling if somebody said that they were unhappy or drink the bottle. I never took Simprove regularly. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a lucky person. I have gen- generally very good health, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't, I've, I've taken it every day uh, without exception. Uh, even take it with me after I saw the data on well people, as did half the medical team, because it, it's just it was just staring you in the face where I'd been struggling so hard to prove a measurable within a symptomatic patients. I'd now seen in front we'd all seen in front of our eyes that actually it's doing uh, your own microbiome a huge benefit, and therefore why wouldn't you take it? So I take it now because I've seen the data. Amazing. Amazing. And in terms of what, and this is a question for the two of you, but Barry, you can maybe um, start. What is the most exciting thing that you're currently working on? Or what what's the, what research are you most excited about with regards to probiotics and Simprove in health? Shall I go, Chris? Yeah, I think I will. Okay, so off the back of the constipation work and the Parkinson's work, um, we ran the samples uh, of six Down syndromes children through uh, the ProDigest system. Uh, it yet again showed the same uh, impact, um, uh, slightly different for each patient, but uh, across the board, a significant improvement. And uh, we are now, or rather, uh, Professor Simon Gaysford is now uh, running a real-world evidence study uh, to help Uh, children that have constipation with Down syndrome and uh, to top that over a bottle of wine we also (laughs) are looking it was Simon's idea to try and uh, generate a charity called um, what we've already registered called Promotive so that we can help those that are economically challenged to get the product um, uh, by um, getting it through a, a, a charity so we're looking to build that over this year as well. 
That's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and once you build it, I will definitely link it in the show notes so people can have access to it. Um, that's incredible. Chris? So Ben, I, just for clarification, I've, I'm not involved with the actual research um, and Simproof. I mean, I'd love to be, but <laughs> I'm helping more with sort of health comms and uh, sort of social media. So No problem at all. But what excites you about probiotics in general then? Let's go general, general question. Um, so what excites me most is actually the benefit of probiotics in terms of symptoms as IBS. Because for me as a GP, I see lots of patients who come in with very vague abdominal symptoms. And after all the tests come back and they're completely normal, you're left with someone who's not sure how to manage their condition. Mm-hmm. And actually one of those exciting avenues can be probiotics as well as other, other um, modalities. So if we're able to look at improving people's quality of life, I actually feel that probiotics do have a really important role in terms of reduction of um, these kind of gut symptoms that people quite often find quite debilitating. That makes perfect sense to me. And what's, you know, I've had friends with idiopathic IBS, IBS, and we don't know what the cause is. And they've tried lots of different things and things haven't worked. So I think probiotics are a really nice answer to that. And if we can get something which is repeatedly beneficial and reliable um, to, to have a proven benefit, that would be amazing. And I always look at the cost to benefit, not cost to benefit ratio, but risk to benefit ratio of these kinds mm-hmm. of things. And sometimes the science isn't all there, but like Barry said before, you know, sometimes the preliminary science is staring you in the face of the, these things being beneficial and you try them yourself and you get these benefits. So I think if someone has it available to them, trying something like that cannot do that much harm. Um, obviously, you always work with your doctor and your physician. I am not a doctor, so I'm going to put my hands up there. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel that that's a, that's a good way forward. I think it's really important to point out that, um, I mean, in the olden days, they were pretty smart. And Hippocrates' most important point was to do no harm. Mm -hmm. And as a food supplement, we already tick um, half of the clinician's box because it can't do any harm. And um, if you can then have measurable benefits, and that's really like a win-win. So for me, the biggest thing that has to happen is the education for clinicians to understand how to use this type of technology mm-hmm. and to make it available to those that are sort of uh, in the most vulnerable position. Absolutely. I'm just going to touch upon one thing there because I'm going to catch myself before I fall. SIBO, small intestine, intestinal bacterial overgrowth, can be diagnosed as IBS, but actually might probiotics might worsen that condition, which is the only one I know of. But it's just for note for the listeners. Um, I'm not sure about Simprove. I've not seen the research if there is some on SIBO, but that is just something to consider because you can get over fermentation in the smaller gut and that can lead to pain. So that is something to know if you do experience that. But it's very, very rare, but it's just something that to consider as well. Moving on, you both of you have been absolutely amazing and I wanted to uh, to say something. I have no relation to Simprove just before people think this is a, a sponsored podcast or anything like that. But when Chris mentioned that, he knew Barry and um, I was so excited to have you on because I looked up the research and it's absolutely fascinating and it seems like you have so many people touting the benefits of your product that I'd, um, I'd, I was really excited to, to have this conversation with you and you have not disappointed and um, we've gone all over the place and chatting about the research your journey and things of that nature and what I'll do for people that are maybe a little bit more scientifically minded or want to have further information I'll link to some studies in the show notes that Barry's mentioned and currently working on as well as his website and uh, Chris in terms of all the uh, projects that he is working on as well but before you both go I've got one question and that is what is the most impactful health change you have made in your life and why Barry would you like to go first sure mine's very simple Um, I went from a working man to deskbound meeting man trying to push the project forward on Simprove and I managed to uh, inadvertently creeping up on me put on two stone and I hit over 17 stone at one stage and uh, so the most impactful thing that I did was to start to exercise on a regular basis uh, and to lose a bit of weight and that um, is has been really impactful for me and and generally I feel so much better for it and I think the trouble is with um the sort of general inertia that is within 
most of the jobs these days sort of sitting in front of a desk and a computer and not taking time for yourself to get your heart rate up on a regular basis. I know Chris is a avid keep fitter as well, but I try to exercise at least four times a week and that's the biggest impact is uh, biggest, uh, most impactful thing I've done recently. Love that. Chris. Yeah. So apart from, uh, as very mentioned, avid keep fitter. Um, I think for me, the most impactful thing I've kind of done is um, over the last years, really set a tight bedtime routine. So by sort of 10 o'clock, 10.30, I'm always in bed, um, regardless of the number of emails that work piling up, um, messages that I need to reply to. I'm always like, okay, at eight o'clock, I start up my wind down routine. And by 10, I'm in bed because actually when I wake up the next day, I'm refreshed and not tired. I'm more productive. I make the right food choices. I'm more likely to go to the gym and exercise well and have more energy. So that's for me has been the most important thing because I, I, having seen lots of patients, sleep is one of those really underrated pillars. But as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, actually affects pretty much all aspects of our lives. So really making sure that I have a good bedtime routine and I'm in bed at a sensible time is important because I've worked as a junior doctor in the NHS for 10 years. My pattern has been all over the place, nights, weekends, long days. So now that, you know, since I qualified no longer junior doctor, it has been really important to set and redefine my bedtime routine so that I have more energy and more productive the following day. I completely resonate with both those changes. Uh, phenomenal. Um, I just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure to have you both on the show. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've learned a lot and hopefully we can do this again soon. Thanks for your time. It was lovely to meet you. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. You can find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. If you have a second, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does make a huge difference and helps get this valuable information out and reach more people. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date and know whenever I release a new episode. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook or our website and all questions are welcome. As always, thanks to Joss Aurelia for all the editing and thank you all for your support.